0: All right, well, welcome to our Sunday School Hour. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 42 this morning. And we um, uh, going to get through several chapters today, Lord willing. So we went from being two or three weeks in one chapter to moving uh, two or three chapters in one week. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, good to see everybody here and a lot more folks uh, starting to get back in, in the church. And we thank the Lord for that. We still have a few folks that are out not able to come yet. And um, continue to pray for them, if you will. Uh, A lot of them have um, uh, underlying health issues, and so they're trying to be very cautious, and I certainly understand and appreciate their concern on that. And so pray for them, if you will. A couple of things very quickly by way of announcements. We're going to have a Vacation Bible School meeting right after the 11 o'clock service this morning. And uh, we'll just meet right down here by the piano. We won't be, but probably about five to eight minutes, maybe somewhere in there, uh, we've got some things to hand out to you as well as to talk to you about um, some possible changes in the structure of what we're going to be doing. And so um, a very important meeting. If you're going to help us with VBS this year, if you can be there, uh, that will be great help. Um, also, one other note, and you'll notice on your bulletins, we did change the date uh, under the upcoming events on the back of your bulletin. Uh, we did have to move our men's advance back one week. Uh, we had a, a scheduling conflict with uh, Brother Tully. And so if you have the big church calendar hanging up at home, uh, we've moved that back just one week. And so if you want to mark it on there, we do have it correct in the bulletin here. And so uh, just to give you a note on that. Um, Next week, we're going to have the Crow family with us, or we're we're slated to have the Crow family with us if they're still traveling with all the coronavirus and trying to get confirmation from them of everything. But uh, Lord willing, they'll be with us next Sunday and uh, looking forward to a good time together. And then two weeks from today, is Father's Day, so uh, make sure, uh, kids, that you find out what your dads want, you know, new boat, new car, new truck, whatever it is, and then go get the little matchbox from Walmart, you know, and, uh, but uh, that'll be two weeks from today, we'll have a, a special time in the service for the men uh, as well, and uh, looking forward to that, and uh, then three weeks from today, just happened to have, uh, as uh, the McCormick family called me, and they happened to have an open week And so they're going to come uh, three weeks from today and be with us uh, providing some special music and for the service. And we thank the Lord for that and look forward to it. So a lot of things coming up. Uh, Mark your calendars. Vacation Bible School just around the corner at this point. And uh, so be praying for that, that God will bless and use that. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. We'll take some prayer requests real quick. If you have something you'd like for us to pray for, uh, continue to pray for Brother Bob Schwabert, who's recovering with... um, uh, from taking a fall and breaking his leg. And so continue to pray for him. It was good to hear Gene Whitener is back home uh, finally and doing better, but uh, continue to pray for her, if you will. Brother Jess Harris has been having a very difficult time with his emphysema. I uh, also talked to Brother Ron Beckett this week, and he's been struggling a lot with uh, the heat. And uh, those of you that know, he's got some lung conditions and issues and was really having a couple of really bad days this week. So pray for him, if you will. Uh, also, Brother Everett, uh, if you'll keep him in prayer, uh, uh, declining in health, and so continue to pray for him uh, very weak. Uh, also, for my sister, if you don't mind continuing to pray for her, uh, she looks into getting some more medical treatment for some things, and uh, we hope to hear a good report on that. Uh, brother Richard and Miss Linda's Brother Ron, uh, did you get an update on anything there or? Okay. Okay, so they've not yet uh, gotten a treatment plan or anything. Okay, pretty sure. Okay, all right. So pray. F- okay, sure. All right, so pray for him if you will. Uh, also, their half sister that's uh, got the cancer that's uh, gone throughout the body, and pray for that. Is there an update on her as well? Okay. Okay, okay, wow, okay, there you go, okay, alright, so pray for her, uh, continue to pray for the building to sell uh, over at Beacon, uh, that they get the building sold, and uh, I think that's about all the ones that I can remember off the top of my head right now, anybody else have anything you'd like us to pray for, yes ma'am, and his name is what again? Fran, okay, all right. Okay, all right. And then uh, Tamara that we were praying for, is, is she doing better now or at home? Okay. What the deal was? Okay. All right. So continue to pray for her. She recovers, but glad that she's home at least at this point. So, all right. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay. All right, so continue to pray for Miss June Bolin. Uh, did not was not able to get her cancer treatment again this week, so pray for that. Yes, ma'am. I didn't catch I'm sorry, I didn't catch all that. Okay, all right. So pray for this one. All right. There's my niece, Kayla. How you doing, Kayla? Good to see you. Glad you're here today. All right. Anybody else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Father, we're so grateful. We're thankful this morning that we can come to you in prayer. We're thankful for the opportunity once again to meet back together. And what a joy, uh, Lord, as we have had several months where we have not been able to do this. And uh, these last few weeks have been so precious and we've enjoyed it. And Lord, it's helped us to have a new appreciation for the time that you give us to be together in fellowship around your word. We come to you this morning, and there are many requests that we need your uh, intervention on. And even though you already know them, we've come to you this morning to express our dependence upon you and to put our faith in you for your hand to be at work in them and for your will to be accomplished through them. I pray that you'd bless those that are uh, very sick, those several, many that, uh, were mentioned actually this morning that have been battling very serious health problems, some of them cancer, uh, some of them uh, physical things that we're not even sure what the the diagnosis is. Uh, we don't mention her real often, but even Victoria Reed this morning as I uh, was talking to Brother Randy this week and still trying to figure out uh, what's going on there, I pray that you would touch her body and strengthen her. And uh, Lord, so many of our folks, Brother Ron Beckett and Uh, Miss June Boland, um, we pray that you'll touch their bodies, Brother Bob and uh, the uh, brother and sister of uh, Miss Linda and uh, Brother Richard, or so many of our people that need your hand of healing upon them. We know that when the doctors have done all that they can, Lord, we we know that you can do things beyond what what man can do. And so we ask this morning that you would do that and that you would draw near to the families, that you'd give comfort and grace and strength during this time. And then, Father, there are numbers of our folks that are battling uh, depression, and and uh, all of this being locked down has created some problems in their lives. And we pray that Your grace would be very real to them, that You draw very close to them in comfort and encourage their day, draw their hearts close to You. And we do pray that You'll bless those that <coughs> have some very important decisions to make, and Lord, some of them that uh there are not real good outlooks on some of the possible um, decisions that they're going to have to make. But I pray that you would give great wisdom and great guidance. And uh, then, Father, help us as we uh, meet together today. We've come to uh, study your word, to learn about it. We ask that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us. And I pray that you would help us to uh, have your word open up into our hearts and our minds that we would be able to not just be a hearer of your word, but that we would put it into practice. Lord, most importantly, that we would put it into practice, that we would take heed to it, and that it would be a help to us. I pray that you'll help our hearts to be drawn closer to you, that we'll love you more today than we did when we walked in here this morning. And, Father, help us to grow daily in these things. We pray that you'll bless all that is said and done, that it will bring glory to you, and that we'll be able to point uh, men to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Genesis chapter 42, we've been uh, a good deal of time on the life of Joseph and we're, going to, we're getting close to the end of it. <clears throat> and we're going to move quickly through several uh, chapters today and uh, then uh, try to pull two or three very significant truths and things that we can learn from this. In chapter 42, we'll begin reading, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt; get you down thither and buy for us from thence, and we may live, and not that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt, but Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he was, um, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren. Uh, but they knew him not. We're not going to take time to read the entire uh, the entirety of the three chapters. That would be something I would encourage you. Uh, maybe this afternoon, when you get home, to take the time to read uh, the passages that fill in the gaps of some of this. So, uh, but follow with me. We're going to move over to verse number seventeen, <clears throat> and he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph said unto them, unto them, the third day, this do and live. For I fear God, if ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, uh, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And so uh, basically Joseph said, y'all are spies. Uh, Leave one of your brethren here. Go back home, bring your youngest brother, and that will verify That you are not a spy. Verse number twenty two, we find that Reuben answers this. Let's read twenty one and twenty two. And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also, his blood is required. And so speaking here of Joseph and the time that they threw him in the pit, if you'll remember the wording of the, the Scriptures, uh, at some point Reuben obviously had left the brothers with Joseph in the pit uh, because the Bible says that when Reuben came back, he found that the pit was empty. and He went to his brothers to find out what they had done with him. Uh, Judah was the one that was kind of the ringleader, and he was the one that had uh, said, Listen, why don't we sell him? There's a caravan here. Let's sell him. Uh, into slavery and uh, at least we find that Reuben had a desire to deliver Joseph um, after the fact and, and was going to wait till the anger of his brothers calmed down and then he was going to try to spare his life and uh, had at least a heart for Joseph and we find here in verse number 22 Now I don't know exactly the length of time that's gone on here but it's been a number of years now and I can only think of this that Reuben and at least and maybe some of the brethren. Um, probably were uh, dealing with this conscience for a long period of time. The fact that here, all of a sudden, uh, Reuben, at least in verse 22, expresses the conviction that he's had, the uneasiness that he's had in all of those years. And it's amazing to me when when we sin and we do not deal with the sin, how much it seems to gnaw at us. In Psalm 51, the psalmist said, My sin is ever before me. And the idea that there ought to be conviction of sin. And by the way, if there's not conviction of sin in our lives, uh, then there's something that's wrong there. We need to look into that and find out why is there no conviction here. Uh, It's not something we enjoy, but it's something that we need. And so it's very, very important that we understand this, that Reuben, at least, had a conscience. I think, as we read later on in a couple of chapters here, we'll see some of the other uh, uh, brothers... And I believe that there was probably a level of remorse over those years, some, some gnawing at them about what had happened to their brother. I'm sure that most of them thought that he was at best still in slavery and at worst probably even dead. And the Bible says, And they knew not, verse number 23, And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept. That's the key to this entire passage. And returned to them again and communed with them and took them from Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Now, he's going to take Simeon and keep him. But I want you to notice, here are the brothers that threw him in the pit, that sold him into slavery, that caused him to be in the prison in, in Egypt because of their actions. They put him in that situation where he would uh, be in the prison and also uh, all of the things that are there. And notice the Bible says that Joseph wept. I'm interested in this as, as we see at the very onset, perhaps a, a spirit of forgiveness. Could we say it that way in the heart of Joseph? And we're going to look at this idea of forgiveness over these next few chapters. Because I'll tell you, we live in a day where even God's people do not understand the truth from God's Word about forgiveness. We're at a place where we live in a society that has, so, has made us so abrasive to things. That's caused us to become so hard-hearted that if somebody does ill to me, Boy, I am going to get them. I don't know how, but I'm going to get them. That's what the world thinks. And here we find Joseph who's in a premium position, isn't he? I mean, he's in the best position he could ever be to seek his vengeance on his brothers. I mean, Joseph, he's already had them in prison for three days as spies. All Joseph has to do is say the word. He's second only unto Pharaoh. In the land. And all Joseph has to do is say the word, and they'll throw his brothers in a pit. And they'll sell his brothers into slavery. Worse yet, he could say the word, and they could be killed. And it's amazing to me to see that before his brothers ever came, Joseph had already forgiven them. Because when they stood before him, he wept. He wasn't angry. He had missed his brothers. He loved his brothers. What a testimony. I wonder how often it would be when someone would do something so horrendous to us as they did to Joseph. How often we would love them. We would weep for them. We would have compassion on them. We won't take the time to read all that goes on here, but Joseph plays a few tricks on them as far as uh, putting their money back in their bags and making them nervous about the fact that they, had, they, they were worried they were going to be accused of stealing. They go back to, jo- uh, to Jacob and they tell Jacob what has happened here. And now understand, Simeon is, is in prison. They're still in, in Egypt. He, they kept him there. And Jacob won't let the brothers come back in fact, they just assume Simeon is lost. if you look in verse number uh, let's back up to verse number 36 of chapter 42 and Jacob Jacob their father said unto them, me have ye bereaved, uh, me have ye bereaved of my children Joseph is not and Simeon is not In other words, Jacob was thinking, Simeon's lost I'm not sending any more of my sons I'll lose more of them. Better to lose just Simeon than, than additional sons and he said, Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. And Jacob's not wanting to let him go. And the famine was sore in the land. Verse number 1 of chapter 43, The famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had bought, brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? In other words, he said, Why did you even let him know you had a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? "'Have ye another brother?' And we told him according to the tenor of those words. Could we certainly know that he would say, "'Bring your brother down?' And Judah said unto Israel, "'His father, send the lad with me, "'and we will arise and go, "'that we may live and not die, "'both we and thou and also our little ones. "'I will be surety for him. "'Of my hand shalt thou require him. "'If I bring him not unto thee "'and set him before thee, "'then let me bear the blame forever.'" For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. It's interesting to me that Judah is the one that becomes the surety for Benjamin. Judah, the ringleader, the one that had sold his brother Joseph into slavery, the one that had so despised him and wanted to get rid of him, is now saying, I will be the surety for my brother. I'll make sure that he's protected. I'll make sure that he's safe. And so we find that there's been a change in Judah's life, hasn't there? Sometime during that period of years, there's been uh, something that has changed in him. Uh, And by the way, can I tell you this? There's always the idea that we're not all that we should be. But aren't you glad we're not what we used to be? That God is not done with us yet. That God is going to continue to work in our lives day by day. And by the way, that ought to be our heart's desire. That every day God grow us a little bit more. And chisel us more into the shape that he would long for us to be. In verse number fifteen of chapter forty three, the men took the present, and their father said, Go ahead and go. The men took the present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought men brought the men into Joseph's house, and the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us. Remember the first time he accused them of being spies. And he put them in prison for three days, put them in the house for three days, under house arrest. said, you can't go anywhere for three days. Now he's bringing them into his house, and they're scared to death. They're wondering what's going on here. "...and uh, fall upon us, and take us for bondmen in our asses. And they uh, came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house, and said, O sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food, and it came to pass when we came into the inn that we opened our sacks. And behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. And we have brought it again into our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put money in our sacks." He said peace be to you fear not your god and the god of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks i had your money and he brought Simeon out unto them and the man brought the men into joseph's house and gave them water and wash and they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender and they made ready the present against joseph uh, against joseph came at noon For they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him, to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, And said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. He washed his face and went out and refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. And they sat on for him by himself, and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled one at another, and he took and sent messengers unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. He commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill them in sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in the sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth. And we're not going to take time to read the whole story, but he sets up Benjamin and makes it look like Benjamin had stolen something from his house. He puts, tells the brothers, he says, I'm going to put Benjamin in prison until you bring my father. And the brothers said, oh, we can't do that. We've got got to bring our brother back. We've been the surety. And Judah even told him, said, look, it'll it'll cost me my life. Reuben had said, even take my own kids' lives if I don't bring Benjamin back. And and so we pick up reading there in uh, verse number, uh, let's go to verse number 18 of chapter 44 for sake of time. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and an age, a child of his old age, a little one. And his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his, brother, his father loveth him. And thou saidest to thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. We up, uh, said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Now set us unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother be with, be, uh, if our bro- youngest brother be with us, then will we go down. For we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. It shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my lord and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father? I love this in chapter 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. But he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, Doth my father yet live. And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Boy, that's an understatement, isn't it? And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. Notice this. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives. By a great deliverance. Can I tell you, this is one of the most beautiful pictures of the grace of God. These brothers had sinned against Joseph. There's no doubt about that. But Joseph gave forgiveness and gave his love to them even before they had come back to Him and reconciled themselves to Him. Can I tell you, that is such a beautiful picture of what God has done for you and I. That in while we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to ask forgiveness of our sin. He went ahead and paid the price. He already extended the offer of forgiveness even before we asked for it. What a beautiful picture in the Old Testament of the grace of God. He goes on to say, as he says down in verse number 9, ye and go up to my father, and say unto him, "'Thus saith my son Joseph, "'God hath made me Lord of all Egypt, come down unto me. "'Tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, "'and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children.'" and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. Boy, isn't that just what God did for you and I? When He gave His forgiveness to us, when we accepted that gift of eternal life, He said, I want you to be with me. You come on, you can just be with me for all of eternity. You you just come right on. You're going to be part of the family now. Man, What a what an amazing Savior. And a beautiful Old Testament picture, isn't it? How vividly it illustrates. And there, verse number 11, will I nourish thee? Isn't it amazing how God nourishes us? For there are yet five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all thou hast come to poverty. We're stuck in this world for a period of time, but one of these days we get to go to heaven. Boy, it's going to be wonderful, isn't it? No more need, no more hurt, no more pain. Behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen. Ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. I'm reminded of the time shortly after the Last Supper when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he wept and he prayed. The great love that he had. I love the story of Joseph. What a great, great illustration of God's grace, and it's hard to read and not have my heart overwhelmed with what God has done for me. But I want us to learn some lessons that I believe the Bible teaches in not only this passage where it illustrates them, but also in the New Testament of Scriptures where it teaches us some things, and that is regarding the issue of forgiveness. Look with me, if you will, and hold your place here in Matthew chapter number 18. Because I believe this is one of the areas that we so so struggle with a lot of times. Matthew chapter number 18, and we'll read in verse number 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times. Now understand the custom of the day, and what the, the the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees what they what they would uh, say is the standard was three times that they would give forgiveness. And that was kind of the practice of the day. That was part of what they their culture decided the law was when they interpreted the law and said that there ought to be forgiveness. They felt like that three times was adequate. When Peter mentions this, it's, it's almost with a, Lord, uh, I'll be generous. How about seven times? How about more than what the law requires? And by the way, we ought never just settle for the minimum of what's right. He says seven times, and look what Jesus says in verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now notice the question Peter asked in verse 21. Peter said uh, and Peter, to him, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? I'll be honest with you. I've met people that have said, you know what? I'll let that person do me wrong once, and I may let him do me wrong twice, but third time... He better watch out. You ever been that way? You ever felt that way before? I have. Uh, you know, don't don't sit there and be overly pious. We all have felt that way, haven't we? And that's the, that's the fleshly nature coming out in us. Because the Savior said, if he was talking, answering the question that Peter said about my brother sinning against me, he said seventy times seven. That means at least 490 times. Of course, we understand from the context, Jesus wasn't speaking about a number here. He was speaking about a principle. And that was every time that brother does wrong. Every time. Even if they continue to do wrong, and continue to do wrong, and continue to do wrong, and continue to do wrong. To do wrong. Now, I'm not talking about enabling, and that's a whole other issue. We certainly do not enable that. But every time we are to forgive. Every single time. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5. And what a great example we have of this. Jesus didn't just say 70 times 7, did He? Jesus practiced it. Isn't it good when somebody teaches a Bible principle and then lives it? Especially when it's our Savior. He doesn't tell us to do anything that He doesn't also live Himself. We get to Matthew chapter number 5. Look with me in verse number 21. You have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. The Lord is not interested in the sacrifices we can offer if we're not willing to be forgiving. Back in chapter number 18 now, I want you to see what Jesus continues to teach after he makes that statement. The importance that... Forgiveness to God is more important than the sacrifices we can make to Him. Now look with me, if you will. In uh, I'll get the right verse here, verse number twenty three. Excuse me. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. For as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him. And he doesn't just delay him the debt. Notice what it says. He forgave him the debt. God doesn't just delay our payment for our sin. There are are religious groups out there that teach that you have to pay for your sin for a period of time. I'm thankful God did not delay my debt. He forgave it. But the same servant went out. Now notice this one who had been forgiven these 10,000 talents this same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. Just a smattering, just a fraction, a drop in the bucket of what he had owed. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. How often, how often can it be said of us that we would not? How often, when someone does us wrong or someone deserves our, our justice, do we exact that justice on them without offering forgiveness? What a tragic statement. We look at that and we're appalled by this man. This man who had owed so much. And the Lord forgave him his debt. Would not be willing to forgive such a small matter. And he would not. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. I don't know if that bothers anyone but me. I hope it bothers you to read a story like that. But this is one of those kind of stories like what Nathan the prophet did when he went to David. He told him the story of the man who had all these sheep, and his neighbor only had one. And that one sheep was like a pet to the family a friend came to the Lord's castle and then rather than getting one of his many sheep that he had, he goes over and he takes the pet of the family next to him and he slays the lamb and feeds him to his guest. David gets mad about that. That's the kind of story this one is. We read something like that and we look at this servant who's not willing to forgive and we say, Oh, man, that's terrible. David did the same thing, didn't he? He looked at Nathan he said, that's horrible. Let's, let's get rid of this fellow. He, he deserves to die. How often when we come to Scripture, it's not a prophet that stands before us anymore, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that says, Thou art the man. Thou art the man. I look around at so much unforgiveness that takes place, not just in our world that we live, but I'm talking among God's people. And in Joseph's life, we see a beautiful picture of grace, that which is not deserved, being extended to his brethren. And mercy, not getting what they deserved. All because Joseph was willing to forgive. And I want you to notice this. Joseph was willing to forgive before they ever asked for forgiveness. I've heard Christians say, well, they never apologized to me. They don't have to. If we're the one giving the offense and we're the one that offended, then we ought ask for forgiveness. But just because somebody doesn't ask forgiveness does not mean that they do not merit our forgiveness. Our forgiveness is not based upon what they do. Our forgiveness is based upon the fact that God did something for me. And for people to sit and say I can't do it. I just can't. I cannot forgive. Or sometimes I'll hear this. Well, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. Can I tell you this? If that's the statement of our hearts, then we never forgave. We never forgave. I, again, am not talking here about enabling people to continue to do wrong to us. But every time they do, we must be willing to forgive. And I'll tell you, I, I I get so frustrated at my old flesh nature because it doesn't like to do that. I get so frustrated at myself sometimes, and while there's, I, I try not to have the intent. There are times somebody will do something, and I mean it just grits my teeth, and I just. Ugh. And it's hard to forgive. Had a had a family that was very near dear friend of mine for many many years. That did something to our family, my family, and uh, devastating. It just devastated us as a family, and. uh, Have not, have not, had not heard from them in a long time. And had tried to reach out a few times in texts and emails, just trying to find out how they were doing and telling them I was praying for them. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting downstairs at lunchtime and a text came through on my phone. And the folks were reaching back out to me once again, finally. And there has been a restoration of friendship there. Can I tell you, there has been great joy in that because these friends that I had loved for so many years that I was estranged to for so many years are now my friends again. And there's a great joy in that. There's a great joy in that. What we can learn from the life of Joseph is is amazing. There's so much there. We haven't even scratched the surface really, but I want to to emphasize this morning the responsibility that you and I have to forgive. And may God help us to be that way, all right? I hope that will be a help. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. And Father, help us to first of all recognize how much we have been forgiven. And may that encourage us and motivate us to offer and extend our forgiveness to those that may do wrong to us. That we can love them and be moved with compassion on them and extend our forgiveness. Father, help us to glorify you in all of the things that we do in our life. That we may be able to point men to you. That when folks look at us, they can see your example shining through. Help us in the next service to follow. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts and encourage us. Help it to be something that will benefit us and draw our hearts closer to you. And Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit's guidance and direction throughout this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're dismissed. We'll be back in about, uh, looks like about 12 or 14 minutes here.